The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 29. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week on Insight Sunday we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Today, Yair shares his biggest lessons from co-founding building, and running multiple organizations, along with the frustrations, disappointments, and triumphs that have shaped him as a founder and leader. If you have ever felt that circumstances have gotten in your way, that you've struggled to stay resilient and find your next step forward, you'll gain so much from my conversation with Yair. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, If you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, if you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively when circumstances change like they have so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience-backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. You can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for you and your company. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. Join me in welcoming Yair Saperstein, co-founder and CEO of AvoMD, distinguished and awarded doctor, teaching attending at Mount Sinai Beth Israel Hospital, trailblazer, outdoorsman, classical pianist, and delightful ukulele playing doctor. Welcome back, Yair. Thanks. Nice to be back. My pleasure. So on Insight Sunday, we covered how you think and how you approach problem solving, both in context of your company AvoMD and how it helps doctors do it, as well as your own process personally, how it's grown and and you've grown through it and built companies, multiple companies throughout your development, throughout your growth into and being a doctor, and how you use that 
inside of your company to triage and figure out whether you need to make an immediate decision or it's important to step back and gather more data. So if you haven't yet, go back to Insight Sunday and listen to that. So on Story Tuesday, we dive deeper into your hard-earned lessons so that we can learn from them. And I wanted to start by asking you, Yair, about some of your most memorable lessons. Can you really bring us into one of your biggest learning experiences? What happened in the moment? What happened before and after? And a key takeaway you have? Yeah, one sticks out in my mind. So the first startup, which is Start, before it was a company, when it was just a club in college. And we're going to be teaching a hands-on science lesson in a school. And we were very excited. We had built a whole curriculum. We got all the approvals. In fact, we got approval for a news agency to be there in the classroom to broadcast the wonderful things that we were doing. And everything was great. And the feedback that we got afterwards, as I heard the news recording the kids, was something like, yeah, you know, we used to just be reading books and now we have hands-on science experiments. We love it. And a couple of days later, the news agency put out their video, which said the dismal state of education is that, and then they quoted the kid who said, we used to read books and they cut it there. <laughs> and there was a very negative twist Wow! for the school. It made us look good that we were coming in and what we were doing. But the school was extremely unhappy with the way that they were portrayed and that they were being used as the backdrop. And so one day after we started, you know, that first week we were kicked out of the school. And so goodbye, wow. 70 volunteers. Goodbye, the hours and hours and hours of planning to design the curriculum. Goodbye, funding that we had arranged to actually buy all the materials. And I was devastated. I remember I, I got a call from the school when I was in the middle of another class and and I was devastated. And so I spoke with my, one of my advisors and she said, look, this isn't your fault. This, uh, remember well, Raji Viswanathan was my advisor. She said, you know, you did everything well. You did everything by the book and circumstances happen, but you can't control circumstances. You can only control your response to them. So what do you want to do? <laughs> and I said, well, we've got this whole thing. Maybe we can go to another school. She's like, great, let's go together. So we ended up walking to another school, presenting to their principal. We explained everything that happened. And they said, this is wonderful. Would you start next week? And we did. And so that's when it ran the rest of the year. We implemented it in another school. It was great. The first school realized what had happened on further reflection. And they asked us to come back the following year. So that's how we reached two schools. And then we ended up adding a third and fourth and fifth and so on after that. And I think one of the major lessons was this, you know, you can be disappointed in the moment. And sometimes it maybe even is for the best without realizing it because it allowed it to expand so easily. That's how we got to a second school immediately. Mm. So I find that so interesting. So there are a few parts I really want to pull out of that, which I think are so beautiful. So one is when you were saying that your mentor said that you can't control circumstances, but you can control your response to them. And that opened up another door. And I find it so interesting as you're talking about it, that it's because that one door shut that you had to go open another one if you wanted to keep this alive. 
And then what you ended up learning out of that experience is, oh, there are more doors you can walk over to and open up. And then that process, it sounds like it happened faster than it might otherwise have happened if you didn't get shut out in this one place or at this one time. So that's one thing. And a second thing that I'm hearing is you're talking about disappointment. And one thing I really appreciate is the distinction between disappointment and discouragement. Because disappointment happens when something doesn't go our way and we're upset by it. And it it can be really difficult. It can be painful. It can be miserable. And the thing about it though, is that disappointment tells me that I didn't get what I want or I didn't get what I needed. But it doesn't tell me that I will never get that or that it's impossible to get that. That's what discouragement does. Discouragement looks for the future. And discouragement is when my brain or my emotional system, my body is telling me, look, you're never going to get this, so don't even bother. And so what I'm hearing is you were disappointed and there was the potential of becoming discouraged, but then you didn't become discouraged, perhaps because of the advisorship that you had, because the people you could turn to, and because of your way of thinking, which we talked about on Insight Sunday, seeking and trying to tweak something and make it better. And because of that, it didn't turn into discouragement. You didn't just feel like, oh, well, this is never going to happen. And that led you to, even though you were frustrated at that time, really seeking out and pursuing more opportunities, which then opened up a lot more doors for the future. Yeah. And uh, I... uh... In residency, we call it resiliency. And, uh, you know, one of the big things now in residency training is about mental well-being and that residents are not slaves, but are actually people. And, you know, this is a whole slow transition, but still transitioning. And I think that this was one of the, where at the moment I thought it was a pivotal quantum leap, but then on reflection, it's a small step that Mm. I was able to articulate this ability to be resilient and the need for resiliency that even among disappointment, there is no need for discouragement, but that you can continue to move forward and that it really could open up new doors by pushing you forward. And I think that that was one of the first times that I found that I would not be discouraged by these kinds of disappointments, but instead would just say, okay, like, on to the next, <laughs> or mm-hmm. like, let's see what we can do to fix this. You know, whatever it is, it's either stay here and fix this or move forward from it. But either way, as self to be okay. Yeah. And I'm hearing that that approach is really empowering in the sense of you can still make decisions, you can still do something, and you can still have a positive outcome wherever that direction goes. And it can go in a lot of different directions that you're kind of holding for yourself, that question of what can I do or how can I address it or what comes next or how do I learn from this is such a big piece of it. And I want to highlight something. I'm actually going to highlight something that you did not express that you, I don't know if you thought about it in the moment, but certainly isn't a part of the way that you talk about the story, but I think is a part of the way many people think about and talk about or would talk about the story, which is what you didn't say is that media company or the media in general, they're just using things to get their own clicks. You didn't go into a mode of blaming, of saying, well, the lesson I learned was never invite a media company. Or the lesson I learned was media companies are all terrible or all trash, right? So instead of thinking about it and placing responsibility externally, which is very easy to do. And I think most people, like I said, would do something like that. 
Instead, you said, okay, where am I now or where are we now? I didn't get what I wanted. What do we still want or how can we approach that? And I actually want to connect those things because in my experience, when we blame, what we're doing is we're actually outsourcing our reaction. So my disappointment, if I blame the media, my disappointment is now not only justified by the media, but the only thing that can change or change the circumstance or would have made it better is if the media would do a different job or a better job. So then the answer to that, the answer, and we'll put it in quotes, the answer, the solution would be to call up the media company and yell at them and scream at them or ask them for an apology or demand something. And, and that may not really change what they do. And even if they do that, that doesn't change that the school experienced this really negative thing. And so what that tends to do when we assign blame is it outsources the responsibility And that also means that I can't do anything about it, or you in that situation would not have been able to do something about it. And instead, that that quote, which I wrote down because I think it's so important and so meaningful, is you can't control circumstances, only your response to them. So rather than placing or assigning responsibility, and then if the responsibility is elsewhere, is external, then the response or the change has to be external. When you hold on to that, you say, okay, so what can I do now? or what didn't work, or how can I make this work, or how can I take the next step forward, or what is that next step, then you are much more empowered. And I really wanted to highlight that because there are a lot of people who don't think that way. And a lot of people who don't realize how harmful it can be to blame or to place responsibility externally, and how much that actually takes away how you can make your own choice and take a step forward. So thank you for that. I wanted to ask if you have another lesson or experience that comes to mind where you learned from something or perhaps a situation that really required you to adapt or pivot to a really big change. Yes. So for AvoMD, so we originally started building the software for ourselves. And, you know, it was my dream. PJ was independently building it. So it was his dream also, our dreams came together in a way that only dreams can mesh together well. And so it suddenly became one dream. And then we started building this digital mobile tool for clinical algorithms for ourselves. And we released it to the App Store. We ended up getting almost 40,000 downloads. We said, wow, maybe this is something which the whole world wants. Why don't we turn this into a, a real company? And take it forward. And we were talking mostly over guacamole. That's how we named the company AvoMD at first. We thought maybe that's not as professional. Let's name it EvoMD <laughs> to get a little bit more of that professional ring. But we, we spoke a, you know, a long time about how can we scale and how do we want to approach it? And we started building a builder tool so that any clinician that wants to do the same things that we were doing can contribute to our library and teach each other. And it's this these themes that you've been hearing, which on reflection, I realized, wow, it's happening again. Empower other people with a guise towards education and suddenly the whole world will be better. (laughs) And so that was the plan. And it was uh, what we thought a good plan and we embarked on it. Mm -hmm. And I remember we went out to San Francisco to Y Combinator, maybe like two months after we started the idea. So we had almost nothing and we ended up getting rejected <laughs> from Y Combinator. That makes sense. We, we literally just started. And, you know, that was another one of those disappointing but not discouraging moments. 
uh, it was an honor to be there. And so uh, we continued to pursue this path of, you know, we will make it to consumers, like a B2C model where mm. the consumers will be the ones who are writing for us. And we can make this network and this library of scholars and a new way of both distributing and consuming guidelines and change the world. And as we progressed over the next year or so, it wasn't really picking up the way that we thought. The app was picking up, you know, as the thousands turned into tens of thousands of downloads with no advertising, nothing. We were just mm -hmm. using it and monitoring it and seeing what happened. And ah, so your dream the builder tool, nobody really cared about. Yes, and the, the dream of other people contributing, of clinicians contributing, wasn't panning out. But the app that provides the algorithms was really going strong. Yep. And so we pivoted and we said, you know what? This dream can still actualize at some point, but maybe it needs to happen in a different way. Maybe this is what happens when... There, it's free and there's advertising. Maybe this, you know, maybe this can happen in a different manner, but we can probably go to institutions and have their pathways be mm -hmm. integrated into the platform. And once their medical pathways are there, which serves their purpose, because institutions yeah, yeah. want their doctors to be following their protocols. And so we work for them, then we could turn it into a marketplace because other people are going to want built pathways and sell it to other places. And suddenly we have our dream, but it's a totally changed model of achieving it. And so this was a transition with a lot of throwing avocados at each other and <laughs> you know a lot of thoughts on how to make it happen. Sure. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Sometimes, you know, in the business sense, sometimes the marketplace isn't responding to what you're providing or what you want to get out of it. And it can be really hard to see that and what I'm hearing is that you took that into account as feedback and perhaps didn't just give up on what you wanted, but said, maybe there's a different strategy or different approach that can still get you to that goal, which you kind of pivoted into pursuing. Exactly. Yeah. So with that, because we're so short on time, I wanted to just jump back into another couch round and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, what's one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you were getting started? Find out the customer's problem before you start doing the solution. Mm -hmm. Next, what is the difference between a mistake and failure? A mistake happens all the time. <laughs> uh -huh. um, failure does not happen all the time because that is how you interpret something. And so although you'll probably oft hear the phrase that it's human to fail also, I like to think of things not as failures, but as just opportunities. And so mistakes happen often, but failures do not happen that often. It's all in how you interpret it. Thank you. Can you name someone who you can go to them when you make a mistake and they respond by saying, okay, let's deal with it now and then learn from it for later? Multiple people, most especially my mom, who has been there throughout my life as support in this way of, Okay, you know, things happen onward. Great, thank you. Next, can you name someone that you've learned from their mistakes instead of having to make your own? Yeah, my older brother doesn't make that many mistakes. So it's hard to say that I've learned from his mistakes as much, but really that I've learned from his path. 
mm-hmm. as uh, the ability to stay on the path that he's been on whenever I like and just kind of see where that vision goes. And then, of course, explore for myself has been something that uh, held me through middle school and high school and um, has been pretty guiding for me. So I guess the themes would be family and having a being thankful for a strong family support. Yeah, thank you. What's more important, working in your business or working on your business? Yeah, both. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think you can have one without the other. And I think I've gotten stuck in one or the other and that's not been good. And then it's the realization of, okay, got to do both in parallel or at least in sequence when I work in my business and then I don't have enough strategy, then I'm accomplishing many things, but sometimes within the wrong hole where I'm not going towards the right path. And then if I'm working on the business and not actualizing it, I wake up a month later and I say, wait a second, we haven't gotten any new customers. Mm -hmm. So there's really, really both and in tandem. Yeah. Thank you. And last one, what is one thing that's coming up for you or your business that you're working on or excited about? We just got a deal with the largest urgent care pediatric program in the U.S. called PM Pediatrics. Mm-hmm. And we are digitalizing their algorithms and unrolling a pilot, uh, which is going to be working with their 300 or so providers and providing their algorithms. That's really um, exciting. So we're, very, we're very excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. And I'm really excited both for your new deal and also where it's going to take you. Thanks. Yeah. So just to wrap up, I wanted to thank you again so much for giving us a peek behind your success and really diving into your hard-earned lessons and your wisdom. It's really rare and it's so powerful to learn from both the successes, but also the challenges, the frustrations, and the pitfalls in your founder and entrepreneurial and leadership journey, as well as your achievements. And I also wanted to say thank you so much for listening. I hope that you really gained a lot from both the stories and the wisdom and the experiences of Yair, who I think if you haven't at this point recognized it, you don't need me to say it, but I will anyway, that Yair has a really powerful, really fantastic ability to look at a practical side of things and look at a collaborative side of things and also look at an abstract or conceptual side of things and to really pull all of that together. And that shows up in decision-making, it shows up in leadership, it shows up in building and founding a company, and it shows up in running a company, and it shows up as a doctor, and it shows up in so, so many ways. So thank you again, Yair, for really sharing yourself and how you think and what you've learned. And To give a really brief recap, so today on Story Tuesday, you talked about how you can't control your circumstances, but you can control your response to them and how important it is to be resilient. We talked about the difference between disappointment and discouragement. And you talked about recognizing that what you do in so many ways is you empower others with an eye toward really educating and that that helps everybody solve problems and helps the world get better. So thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. 
The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari. Show notes by Yishai Barkadari and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 